Welcome to the KJ and Lee podcast with your host, Kurt and Jacob. We are servants of Christ, armed with the sword of God, the King James Bible, a microphone, and biblical solutions for modern worldly problems. So get your Bibles out, grab a pen, and let's dive right into the Word of God. Welcome to another episode of KJV with your host, Kurt, Jacob, and Morgan. Today we have a special guest, but before we do that, we're going to get opened up with a word of prayer. Brother Kurt, go ahead. Amen. Let's let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful once again, Father, that you've granted us this opportunity, Father, to uh, come together, Lord, as believers and uh, to uh, discuss your word and to give uh, testimonies, Lord. We're uh, excited to have our guest with us uh uh, today, Lord, and Father, we just uh, pray, Lord, that when it's all said and done, Father, that uh, the listeners out there, Lord, will uh, receive a blessing for this. And it is, an, it is in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen. I am so excited to be introducing our guest today. Her name is Heather Helmering, and she has been given a burden for biblical marriage and biblical womanhood and she has turned that burden into several ministries i'm gonna go ahead and list them take a deep breath because it's gonna take a while um firstly we have the proverbs 31 life instagram which you should stop right now and look up we also have two publications one by the title of is your marriage a priority the other by the title of Living Abundantly, which is a 30-day devotional, a blog. Miss Heather has a blog. I'm sorry. She has a journal shop full of amazingly helpful and beautiful journals. She has a YouTube channel where she also gives instruction and wisdom about how she homeschools her children. So she is one, she is one busy lady. Miss Heather, thank you so much for coming on to be with us today. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you. I am definitely excited to be here. That really covered a lot. So there's so much that I could say and obviously rabbit trail with, but um, my husband and I, we've been married 15, almost 15 years. September will be 15 years. Um, we have two children. Um, we've got a boy and a girl and there's been lots of valleys and trials with premature deliveries and things that we have just watched God protect and provide for. We've lived in a few different states and places, but we are back home now in East Tennessee. We are part of our local church serving and helping and just different things there. Um, we do homeschool our kids. That was something that, you know, the Lord brought towards the end of kindergarten, we did not, we didn't have intentions to homeschool, but that's just, the Lord used a few things in our lives to lead us there. And not long before that, that is when we had moved from Tennessee to Colorado and through social media and different things, we were still keeping in touch with our church back home. We were watching some attacks on marriages there and marriages ending in divorce. And it was scary. And that is where the Lord gave me the burden for biblical marriage because my fear was people that we knew that we loved were watching these marriages dissolve. I mean, we're talking 17, 20, 22 year marriages. And, and it wasn't just one or two. There was like four or five within just a few months. And I didn't want other people to look and say, well, if they can't make it, how can we? So to put 
biblical marriage at the forefront. And I, I didn't have Instagram at the time, but I felt like the Lord said, we, you know, we can use this platform. Um, and we are. So that has brought about through my husband's encouragement, um, the blog and the blog brought the book is your marriage priority, which brought everything else. So the Lord has just used one step at a time and that's where we are now. Amen. That's great. Mrs. Heather, we're so excited to have you here. Now, I've been reading your book, uh, Is uh, Your Marriage Your Priority? And I have to admit, it is the first Christian nonfiction book that I've read. And I'm being totally honest, not just because you're here, but it is the first non uh, Christian nonfiction that I've read where I've nodded my head at every page. Oh, so thank you. It's, it's, it's an amazing read. I love how you integrate uh, God's word and to bolster the points that you make throughout the, the book. And so it's just a great read that I'm enjoying so far. I'm almost done with it. Uh, my question for you is, is that you mentioned that your blog led to the book. So you were blogging first and then you went and it inspired you to, to write this book. Could you give a little more detail behind that? With the blog my, and my husband encouraged me to write the blog and he said, you know, you've got the Instagram, you've got a good following there. That's going to give you an audience. You know, people are reading what you have to say. So just take, and that was my question was, what do I write about? What do I say? And everyone was used to Instagram and you've got, you know, a two line caption and we, you know, move on. And he said, just expand on what you're writing. You know, no one wants a six paragraph caption, put it on the blog. And I was like, okay, so we did. And that's where that started. And it was probably four years ago now. It took almost three years to write the book. It's been about four years ago. And I was writing a blog titled, Is Your Marriage a Priority? And I just kept looking at things that you see married people not doing when you're looking at unhappy marriages and God's not in the center and what needs to change things that we do in our marriage and, and things that I learned in our marriage. And, and as you've read in the book, that's exactly what I talk about. And I keep my blog pages or my blogs about two pages. So I type everything in Google Docs, move it to the blog because no one wants to read a four page blog. That would be a book. And it just kept growing. And I got about four or five, six pages in. And I thought, okay, like I have to scale this back or we're going to have a two-part series, something like that. So I read it through it again, trying to see, well, what could I take out? What can I simplify? What, you know, maybe I really didn't put in a good context and I couldn't take anything out. And so my husband said, do you feel like you've said everything you need to say? And I was like, no, there's so much. And I didn't even get to what the Bible said about, you know, A, B, and C. And he said, then keep writing. And I did. And now we have the book. You also mentioned that you were and correct me if I'm wrong, were you in Colorado at the time when yes. you got this inspiration to write the book? And you mentioned something about that marriage was under attack. Was there something going on locally in that state that inspired you? No, at that time, we we had moved back. So we were already back in Tennessee. We were homeschooling again. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't remember if there was something I'd written before that. And so I thought, well, maybe, you know, we need to get into some more detail. I've always been a reader since I was a little girl and always mm -hmm. had the dream one day I could be a published author. Well, yes, yes. Kids, and I kind of went to the medical field for a while and then we came home. And so that dream had just kind of been set aside. And then I had the blog and I was like, well, this is close enough. We had the book. So, and then after that came the devotional and mm -hmm. that was just more of looking at John 10, 10 and even within and outside of the bounds of marriage, so many Christians are defeated. So mm -hmm. I took John 10, 10, looking at living abundantly 
through the life that Christ brings. And how do we do that? Well, that's really through obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trust and obey. We know the song, we know the verses, we know that obedience brings blessing, but what does that look like? Because too often things feel impractical. You know, we hear the pastor preach on Sunday and Wednesday and we go to the marriage retreats and we go and do the ladies conferences and all the things. And we say, yeah, that sounds good, but now what do I do with it? And that was part of the book was, you know, I want godly marriage to be attainable, to be practical for people, because if it's not, then they're not going to do it. They're not going to see those benefits and the Lord's Mm -hmm. blessing. And you can tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. this is what you do, but if they don't believe that this is real for you, they're not going to do it. So I did get open and pretty vulnerable in some places in the book, um, just to share my experiences where I'd grown and learned. And that's just what the Lord did. So that is what helped with the devotional was, okay, how do we do this practically? This is for everyone. And it's just living abundantly through different things, learning to apply the Bible, looking at God's promises, what he says, you know, he wants us to be obedient. He wants us to have a prayer life. He wants us to fast. And so that was some of the points that I brought up in that devotional to experience the life that Christ came to bring us. Very good. Very good. What would you say to a millennial? You you actually mentioned in your book that, of course, there's a lot of people who are foregoing covenant of marriage, the institution of marriage. They're sharing a mortgage. They're sharing pets. They're sharing children but they're not married. Uh, What message do you have for millennials? And then I I guess I want to ask another question too, after that, in your uh, Instagram, your social media, who are your followers? Are you finding that more young people are becoming open to godly marriage? Or are you seeing that it's really your demographics are 30 and older or, or uh, could you maybe speak about the demographics first after answering that first question? So millennials, I would say we have, and I'm at the end of the millennials. My husband is at the very beginning of that and I'm at the end. And I would say, you know, we have watched our parents and grandparents get divorced and it does not have to be that way. Skipping marriage does not mean you're skipping divorce, you know, especially when you're sharing a mortgage, you're sharing children, you're sharing cars and finances, but you won't share a legal commitment. That doesn't make any sense, but living together and doing, they think they're getting all the perks and advantages of living married. And so marriage then gets boiled down to a ring and a piece of paper. And that is not God's design. He has given us so much more in marriage and his design. I mean, Adam and Eve didn't have a piece of paper and a ring and it was still a marriage. And that is what God intended. Amen. Get God's blessing outside of God's design. So you can be, you know, you feel like you're living the dream and things are fine, but you don't have any less commitment. I mean, if you break up, you still have custody. You still have a house to sell. You still have everything that you're going to have to split 50, 50 because you built this life. And you're not saving yourself anything. This is not an example that you want to leave for those kids at all. But just because we've watched, and my parents were still married, praise the Lord. But so many of my friends don't have that testimony. Um, So many people, the millennials don't have that testimony. You know, I have people that I knew that got married right out of high school, you know, middle of college, at the end of college, and they're, they're divorced. And it's not easy, but even if you haven't gotten married yet, you've watched your parents and grandparents divorce 
that does not have to be your story. God is still in the business of redemption, restoration, protection, and it's breaking generational curses. And you have the ability to do that. You are not stuck in this divorce cycle at all. And mm-hmm. I can say that because most of my family have been through divorce. Um, and so is my husband's family. And most of them are more than one. Um, and it's hard, but that doesn't have to be your story. So with that, with the Instagram, there's 484 some odd thousand followers and there's between one and 2% of those are actually men um, that follow. And there's, I think the majority of the age group is, it's kind of a large range, but it's like 30 to 44 getting closer to middle age of, oh, the kids are leaving and we've been married for 20 years and we're stuck. We're talking about divorce. We're in this rut. The kids are, you know, making things harder because they're adults with their own troubles and mom wants to help. And dad says, no, you know, different things. And they're reaching out for help. They're reaching out for support. Maybe they weren't raised in church. Maybe they're not in church right now, or they're not in a good church or they, you know, don't have anyone they feel like they can go to. So even though their name is on Instagram, they don't know me. So there's a safety of I'm behind a screen and I can ask you questions and I get questions almost every day, whether it's in the comments or private messages of just people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm inspired already. This is great. And amen to that for sure. Absolutely. Brother Kurt. All right. So I have some follow-up questions on the, from the beginning of your journey, okay. uh, because I, I was told by my children that were in kindergarten that I wasn't the teacher when we were forced to homeschool. I was the principal because it was going so well, just so well. (laughs) (laughs) I was a terrible student. I just wanted to get out of school. Same with college. Uh, C's get degrees. It's a piece of paper. It's on to the next thing. It it was never anything important to me. Uh, But of course, I wanted to instill something different and that may have come across differently. So with homeschooling, and when that started off and how you got to where you get, did you use programs? Did you pick something up at the store? Did you find something online? Is it something that you've created on your own and kind of morphed it? And what were the challenges of, of the homeschooling journey? And how did you do a biblical journey of that? We were in Colorado at the time. Uh, my son had done K-4 at the academy at our school here in Tennessee at our church before we left. And then at the end of his K-4 year, we moved um, to Colorado we found a church and that's where I met Morgan and we were doing kindergarten there. And we just, at that time in our lives, it was just both parents work and the kids go to school. You know, that's just what everybody does. What, what can you do? But I remember when he was four um, there in Tennessee, there was a lot going on. And this was back in 2011, 12, they were actually beginning to teach the pillars of Islam in public school. And I remember my husband looking at me and he said, I don't care what the sacrifice is. We're not doing that. Um, We were both public school kids. So we've been there, graduated from it, like we know, and, and it's not getting any better. So we decided that it didn't matter the sacrifice, the cost, we're not doing public school. He's going to go to private school. So that's what we did. And the Lord was faithful to help with all those, all of those expenses. And so we get to Colorado, we found a church and they had an academy and we were like, okay, this is, you know, checking off all the boxes, you know, the game of finding a new church. He was doing, he had done a Becca here in Tennessee and they were doing a Becca in Colorado. And I was 
looking at getting back on track for the medical field. I was in college for nursing um, to get my RN before we left. And I finished that first year. So I was, you know, am I going to go back? What are we going to do? I was asked to help in the preschool at the church we were going to, or my son was going to school. And it was supposed to just be, you know, help a little here and there, kind of part-time. It was missions conference. We had extra kids, you know, whatever. Um, two months later, I'm given my own four and five-year-old class. And they're like, here you go. Have fun. And so it was a full-time job. And they were using a Becca curriculum. So we, I was familiar with teaching it. Um, I was there for seven months. So I got pretty familiar with the curriculum, the structure, and he was familiar with that. That's all he had to use for two years. So through some events and church hurt and things, we left the church, left the school, left my job all in one moment of time. And we were, it was towards the end of the semester and we got home and his teacher said, you know, I walked down the hall and I told her, I was like, I'm, I'm going to take him home. It's the Lord's closing the door. We're done. I'm going to take him home. And she said, do you want his curriculum? You've got a few workbook pages left. You've already bought it. You know, you paid that fee at the beginning of the year. I'm just going to throw it away. If you want it, you can have it. It's yours. And I was like, yeah, we'll take it. Um, where was about six weeks of school left. So I told my husband, I've got the worksheet. So he's not going to miss anything. It's kindergarten. And so after we get home, I don't, it might've been Morgan. I don't remember. Someone asked me, is kindergarten even required in Colorado? And I thought, of course it is. Like everybody goes to kindergarten. So I'm Googling and sure enough, it is not. They don't have to go to school till first grade. And so I told my husband, I was like, he doesn't have to go to school because he was like, well, we need to find somewhere for him to go the last six weeks. And I was like, I don't really know. Like we can't afford any other private school. Everybody else was, you know, seven times more expensive than where we were. And I didn't want to put him in a school where we didn't go to church with the teachers and the people that he was around. So I just really didn't know what to do. And my husband said, we live like two blocks from the local public school. And my husband said, you need to go put him in school. And I was just, no, we said we weren't going to do this. We said we were going to make the sacrifice. I have his curriculum. And he said, it's only six weeks. They can't completely indoctrinate him in six weeks. And I was like, oh, I bet they can. And he was like, it's six weeks until we figure out what's going on. And I was like, kindergarten's not even required. He was like, it's six weeks. So I went to the public school and I'm standing in the lobby. They had a kiosk out there with um, some computer screens to register him. Well, the previous school would not release his transcripts to me, kindergarten transcripts. Okay. So they would not release those transcripts. So without them, I could not enroll him in the public school. And I just thought, well, that's just the Lord. He doesn't have to go here. And so we went home and I told my husband there, I got to have these transcripts and they're not releasing them and I can't enroll him. And he was like, then finish the curriculum we have. We have summer to figure out what we're going to do. And I was like, okay. So he would come home after work every day and he would ask how to go. What'd you guys get done? You know, whatever. Well, week three rolls around and he comes in one day and I said, we're done. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, we finished all the pages. He said, there's still three weeks of school left. I was like, yeah, I know, but we're done. And he was like, well, how do you think it went? I mean, it was good. We finished in half the time. And he was like, well, what if we did it again? So I'm looking on a Becca. That's all we knew at the time. So we're going to order a Becca. And so that's what we do. So I order a Becca. They are more than solid. We wanted, we knew we wanted something biblical, King James, review, you Amen. know, you know, just solid things. I didn't have to worry about what was, what I was going to find in there. And so we ordered it for first grade and a month after starting first grade, we found out I was pregnant with our little girl. So the Lord just provided because at 20 weeks I went on bed rest and I was on bed rest for 15 weeks. 
And I would not have, and I had weekly appointments with my regular doctor and I had a short hospital stay during that time. And I had high risk checkups and all the things. And it just would not have worked with the school schedule. You know, he would have either missed days or been late or things like that. And we just got to completely work around that. So in his second grade year, we actually moved back to Tennessee. So we didn't have to worry about changing schools and, you know, new uniforms or, you know, how is it going to work now? We just, when we got settled, we picked up school again when we were ready. And now he's going to start ninth grade um, in a couple of weeks. And my daughter starts second and we are still using a Becca. Um, we've looked at other things. We reevaluate the end of every year, kind of in the summer is what we're doing, still working. Do we still want to homeschool? You know, kind of what the Lord has for us. And that's, that's what he has for us. So that's what we're doing. Wow. Amen. So a ninth grader, that's yeah. a, I fell off math about fifth grade. Personal question. How are you tackling these challenges of stuff that's teaching over if if possible you seem very very intelligent very articulate but that wouldn't last long for me i'd be teaching over my own skill set i am so i graduated high school a year and a half early so my junior year my junior and senior year got crammed into that first semester of junior year there were two classes that i barely passed chemistry and algebra two and it was just a lot but then you have that was almost 14 years ago so I've forgotten a lot of things. Public school does not teach what Abeka teaches. They don't teach it in the same way Abeka teaches it. So there were things that were just completely unfamiliar to me. And we spend the money and we order the Abeka parent kit. It's got the lesson plans, it's got the answer keys, and that is what mama uses. And awesome. but autumn with him, we've grown together. Have we had to use YouTube a couple times? Yes. There's some really good Khan Academy videos, you know, especially factoring different things and stuff in math. Um, that is not my strong suit. My husband did good till algebra one and then he was done. So it's step by step. So I've walked this with him from first grade. So we've learned together things. There's been lots of review for me and just really looking at those answer keys and stuff and reading um, the lesson plans because I couldn't do it without that. Um, but I use that because there's so many people that I talk to that say that very thing of, I couldn't do it. I don't know that. I'm, you know, I never learned those things. That's above my skill set. You know, I can't only teach them what I know. That's not enough. And, and that's accurate. But if, especially people that went to public school, if you went to public school and now you feel inadequate to teach the children God gave you, do not send them back to the same system that left you feeling inadequate to teach your own children. That's the public a drop right there. They're going to fail your children. Yeah. Amen. It's personal to the teachers. You know, they're doing their job. Their hands are tied. It's the system as a whole. And God did not give the government authority to educate our children. It was given to the parents. Right. Amen. And can't or don't want to, then that goes on the private school with a biblical worldview that you get to walk alongside of to give your children that education. So, don't feel like you can't. And, he, you know, the Lord's going to grow you through that. And that really brings our dependence on him. You know, if I was a teacher, then I would have a lot more confidence and we wouldn't include the Lord as much because I've got this. And I don't want that example to be for my children either. So there's been challenges. Um, but it's, you know, we have to know when to just stop. And there's days I don't know if it's I'm not teaching well, you're not responding, we're not communicating, but all we've done is Bible and math, and we're just going to call it a day. 
and that happens and that's okay. And I get to do that. Um, you know, if, if they were having those problems in public school or even private school, then they would just get sent home with demerits and, you know, a boatload of homework. We're not doing that. Um, so that really is an example to them, you know, to just stop and, you know, we're going to go outside and we're going to go pray and we're going to go, you know, whatever, because my relationship with my children is more important than their education. And I get to focus on that. And I get to be mom. It's both. You know, I am the teacher, but I get to be mom. And we say the same thing. Dad is the principal. And, you know, if you get in trouble with me, you're probably going to get in trouble with dad. So I probably wouldn't do that. I love it. Uh, a follow up question from that cause and effect. It seems like and please expound um, this may have deepened or at least strengthened the walk with the Lord uh, with your children and as a family as a whole doing the homeschool because you're not forced, but it's it's part of the curriculum. So you're in it every day. Even if not by choice, you have to do it. Right. And we, Becca has different options. So we chose the parent-led route. So we're not using their DVDs. We're not really um, accountable to them. So I can tailor it to what my children need, what works for us. That gives us freedom in Bible. So I normally, we are huge Paul Chapel fans. So I start the morning and I bought a new devotional from him for this year. We've been using um, one from Proverbs the last couple of years. And so we bought a new one this year um, called Trust and Obey. And, you know, I've got a teenager and he's going to have to learn to trust and obey for himself real soon. And so I want to give him, you know, equip him with that. And it's not just because, you know, mom and dad said so. We start with that and then we do a prayer and praise time. They each and they take turns praying my seven year old can pray like no one's business and it's just and she loves it um but it's because it's not been unfamiliar to her and so we do that and then we she's normally in like awanas or master clubs or patch the pirate or something on wednesday night so they've got bible memory verses so we work on that and when we started seventh or eighth grade i think it was actually sixth grade we actually switched to master books for their apologetics classes for Bible for him. And that was something that my husband and I both feel is important. You know, I want you to be able to memorize scripture and I want you to know what God's word says, but you need to defend that and tell other people what God's word says. It's okay for you to know it, but can you explain it? Can you teach it? And that was something that Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, to teach others also. And study to show thyself approved. Like you need to know what this says for you. So we use that. Um, and then they have their Bible classes on Sunday and Wednesdays too. So it's definitely something that we keep in front of us and try to apply it all day, you know, and it's, and I'm not the best at this and I'm going to fail, but I start my morning with devotions. So my personal devotions, so they see mom is doing this every single day. And she's doing this first and we do Bible first in class. And I normally have my teenager do his devotions right after breakfast before we start school. So we really don't start school till like nine and that's okay. So, you know, I don't want anyone to compare just like you don't compare your marriage or Christian walk to other people. You can learn from them and pick up tips and ideas, but we are routine people. We are not scheduled people. So we do not get up at six o'clock and start school at seven and have 79 activities planned. And that's okay. You don't have to, if you do, that's fine. But I tell people I'm, I'm not a fun homeschool mom. You know, we don't take all the field trips and do all the projects and do all the things, but that's okay. And it still works for us. So. Amen. And brother Kurt, looks like you have some uh, scripture you want to discuss in relation to that. Basically, uh, 
wanting to share Deuteronomy 6-7, which echoes some of the things that uh, Mrs. Heather was talking about as relates to uh, our responsibility uh, in terms of diligently teaching our children. And also um, 1 Corinthians 14 and 19, Paul talked about how he'd rather speak five words with his understanding that by his voice, he might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown uh, tongue. So I was just uh, citing some of the scriptural scriptures that, that bolsters uh, Mrs. Mrs. Heather's uh, statements. I have another question. Back to your uh, blogging and your specialty as an author, you, st you stated that you started noticing the attacks on marriage. Were there any common trends specifically, or was it just a barrage of this, that, and the other? How did you first start noticing that? And you know, what did you do to uh, try to make sure that you were well guarded? Well, it was the Lord that we had moved when we did because we missed all of that. So these are people that we loved. And so we were never put in the position of feeling like we have to pick sides or anything like that. There's no hard feelings towards anyone, which is, you know, most people don't come out that way. And it was one of them was the pastor we had at the time. He and his wife were splitting up and there was another couple that was pretty close to us. There was um, some inappropriate relationships going on with another staff member in the church. So right there was three. And so we were like, wow, this is, this is a big deal. One of the staff members moved and they healed and they're still married and, you know, God's protecting that. And one of the common threads, well, for one was seeing it's communication and it's sin. So with all of them, there was another couple and they're, it's like worse than a triangle, but it was a lack of communication. Um, one of the marriages, the husband took a promotion and that was going to be moving him out of the state. And he just pretty much came home and said, I'm taking this. See you later. Didn't talk about it with his wife, did not give him the option or give her the option to, you know, do you want to go? You know, what can we do? Whatever. He, that was just his way out. Um, and they've been married for 10 years. When one of the other couples had split up, well, the wife knew him and he was someone familiar. So she's like, hey, we're getting divorced. I need a place to stay. Now those two are married. So there was a whole lot of just back and forth. So to see the no communication, um, just sin, there was selfishness involved. There was emotional needs. And it, you know, it's easy to say that, you know, marriage is love and love is action and actions a verb, but that does not take the emotions out of it. One of the couples, it was started as an emotional affair and the emotion part of it, the other third party man said, you know, if there's no physical, I'm taking away the emotional. And so she felt stuck because she was getting that emotional that she wanted and felt that she needed. So again, there was no communication between her and her husband, or maybe he would have had an opportunity to meet that need. It's easy. And it, and I say this in the book, it, it's really no surprise that for every man or every woman that says, he just doesn't listen to me, but this person at work does. There's always someone of the opposite sex there to listen to this person that needs to be listened to, you know, for the wife that's just so upset because my husband, my husband never listens. Somehow there's always a man there willing to listen. Satan knows what he's doing. Right. So there's protection there. We get, I feel like the longer we're married, we get comfortable. We just assume the other person's going to be there. I mean, these marriages were 17 and 20 years and they had children and it was just, oh, this is just the way things are. And Satan really works in that complacency. 
And that, I mean, it's like our Christian life. You're either growing closer to the Lord or you're growing away from him. You're either getting closer with your spouse or you're growing apart. And marriages don't just, you know, fall out of love. It's a slow drift. And that's one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, you put all your energy to the kids or the job or the ministry, your spouse, you know, that's not God's order. Your spouse is supposed to be part of that. And one of them was social media. Um, There was, I think there was five marriages total in this few month period that um, completely dissolved. And one of them was social media. There was the wife wasn't working or wasn't working at the time or whatever. And she was on Facebook and playing some of the games on Facebook and was talking to someone in another country that became a friend. And the other person decided to come to the States and completely left her country, moved over here. And then the divorce spurred out of that. She had five children at home and decided I would like to be in a homosexual relationship rather than with my husband. And so we really see Satan works in more than one avenue and social media really is important to discuss and safeguard. You know, it's not just spending hours scrolling a newsfeed that nobody cares what's on it. It's more than that. And if we don't recognize that and treat it for what it is, then our children aren't prepared either. That was a very powerful, lot of lot of information. Kind of scary to know how easy and haphazardly someone or a couple could slip into something that they didn't intend to do, yep. and how vigilant we have to stay constantly. Kurt sent uh, another here. He said Ephesians five thirty three. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife she see that she reverence her husband if only we did only yeah we did. and mrs uh heather actually references the scripture um in her book and she hits the nail right on the head when it talks about how men and women are wired differently but the the great thing the the, the hope that we have is that because god created us god knows how how we work and so god gives us the instructions on how a husband should treat his wife and how a wife should treat her husband because God created both of them. God created the institution of marriage. And so we have the instructions, but oftentimes people will look to other resources instead of looking to God's word, where God's word has every single answer, marriage, child rearing, how to behave on your job. All of the answers are, are in God's, God's word, but so many people would rather look at other sources instead of looking to the one who created it all. If, if, if you are the inventor of a product, you're going to know more about that product than anyone else. And so it's amazing how there are so many people who don't turn to the Lord. And it's very, very unfortunate that many, many people, uh, including saved people, wind up in these very precarious situations that Mrs. Heather described. I know of a couple of families personally uh, from a previous church that I attended where they were uh, very active in the church. Uh, there was this one family. I, I basically called them the the Baptist Brady Bunch. They would, uh, well, no, I guess it was the Partridge family. There was some family that used to, to sing, but they sung as a as a group. But anyway, they were very active in, in the church, uh, teaching, choir, special music. And they were just the model. What On the outside looking in, they were the model family. And it blew me away when I found out that they were getting divorced. I never saw it coming. And there was another family who was very similar to that too, young couple. 
and they had children and their children sang in the choir, did many things. And then all of a sudden they got divorced. And I didn't I didn't see that coming out. Mrs. Heather, I don't know if you saw some of those things happening before the divorce actually occurred. But for me, I was blindsided and I was devastated and I was heartbroken. These wonderful families, like I said, from the outside looking in, you never know what's, what goes on in someone's home. But they were just like the model Christian families. And and now those, you know, Satan's gotten in the middle of it and, and has ruined them. And I feel like that is definitely something it's easy at church to look like we have it all together and you know we want people to think that and we sometimes feel like especially in the christian circles if we say hey we're struggling then it becomes a matter of faith i mean when you tell someone you're struggling with mental health and they say well you just need to have more faith you need to pray if we say we're having marriage problems and it's just well you need to pray there's no practical application there and then we're not doing anything, nothing changes. And we don't want anyone to think we're less of a Christian or that, you know, we're struggling because when you're the one that's struggling and you walk into church on Sunday morning, Satan says, you're the only one. Satan uses isolation and we, then no one can help if no one's been through this. And I don't want anyone to think less of me. So I'm not going to ask for help. And you don't realize that everyone around you is struggling too, in some way. And so when you realize no one's perfect, no one's marriage is perfect, no one's parenting is perfect, and you don't know who was arguing on the way in this morning, you know, then it becomes easier to open up and trust someone and ask for help when you realize that, you know, they've probably been through this too. And that's one of the reasons this year, that might have been last year, our church brought a new Sunday school in. So we're kind of divided up by ages. And so we've been in the 20s and 30s class. And then you were just kind of there until you went to like the 50s class. But the 40s could kind of go anywhere. Like no one's checking birthdays. But pastor was like, you know, we really need something in the middle. We need a 40s class. That It's just you know, those, you know, they're hitting that 20 year mark of marriage or so they're raising those, you know, juniors and, you know, kids are going to college and stuff. We need this group. And so my husband, we were in the twenties and thirties and my husband said, we're going to move up. And I thought, I mean, I was 29 years old. Like I'm, I'm not even 30 and you're putting me in the forties class. And he said, we need to elevate our wisdom pool. The class that we were in was our closest friends, but my 14 year old is the oldest kid in the group. And he said, you know, we can help those that are going through them, you know, toddler years and the potty training and all the things. But I want the people that have been married for 20 years that can look at me and say, don't do that. It's not going to work. I want the people that have the 17 and 18 year olds that look at my 13 year old, my 14 year old and say, don't do that. It's not going to work. Amen. I don't want to listen to your parenting advice with your seven year old telling me how to raise my 14 year old, you know. And so he said, we're moving up. And we did. And it's been great. Amen. That's a really mature outlook. I I appreciate that feedback that uh, so often do, especially for smaller churches, we get kind of pinholed into classes or groups that we think 
people, you know, are each other. We, this is where I belong, but you can be stuck in one spot for a while and stagnate. And you do need that spiritual growth. You need that challenge. You're only going to grow as hard as you're pushed. What other questions do you have, Brother Kurt? I, I could go on and on. I, I guess I have a question, Mrs. Heather. Where, where is your husband? Uh, why isn't he a part of this, this telecast? Because one of the things that I appreciate about book and some of the things that you post on Instagram is the importance of couples doing things together. So that really hit home with me. And I, I really appreciate the the fact, um, I think you gave an example in one of your chapters about, uh, I think it was if you had a marriage retreat, a choice between a marriage retreat or going to some other event, which should have the priority. And you stressed that anything, you know, dealing with your marriage should have the priority. And um, I, I just really appreciate your uh, wisdom in, in sharing that. Did you did you get that from being in a more mature in the 40s class or, or did you already have that mindset prior to getting into uh, uh, or associating with uh, people who've been married much longer? Um, that was before. So we, the book was already done and published, I think when we moved up or, or it was pretty close to the same time. We might've been in editing, but that example was actually part of my blog that I started that started the book. So that was there from the very beginning. And it was... I mean, you have to make it practical and it's too easy, like I said in the book, to say, well, we're fine. So we don't need the marriage retreat. I'm going to go to my girls weekend or, you know, I'm going to go, you know, do whatever. And it's too easy to put the kids first. My other example was like the kid has a game, but we have marriage counseling because we're struggling. It's too easy to say, well, the kid has a game that they come first because I can't miss a game. You can. Grandma can take the kid to the game because the kid wants mom and dad together. So that we learned pretty early on that importance. We went to our first marriage conference when our son was four and we've gone, I think this year was like year six. When we went to a different church, we moved to Colorado. Maybe it wasn't offered or it wasn't offered one year, you know, something like that. So pretty much anytime we've missed, it wasn't offered. There's only been one that was here and it was offered and we couldn't go because I had another priority. I was actually in a wedding so they did a night before and the morning of, it was a local retreat. Well, the evening service was during the rehearsal dinner and the Saturday morning service was during the wedding. And I actually forgot that I was the dates of the wedding and I paid for the retreats and I got home and I thought, I know there's something going on this weekend. And sure enough, it was the wedding. So I actually had to call our Sunday school teacher's wife, who's our financial secretary for the church. And I was like, hey, I'm going to need that money back. I actually can't go. And she was like, okay. So I felt so bad. But other than that, we go. And recently we've started, um, we actually go early. So our church now does Friday night, Saturday morning. We'll go up on Wednesday or Thursday. And we take the kids to grandma's house and we just go. And the last five years, four years, they've been in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area. So we'll stay in the same hotel with everyone else. We just get our room for a day or two early and we go up. We've been known to go up on a Wednesday and we'll just live stream our church from the hotel because we're getting out of town and we're going to spend some time together. And so we just hang out. We have no plans. We have, I mean, it's all the same stuff that we've been doing the last four years because it's at the exact same hotel. So we're just together and we love it. 
my husband says all the time, like I married my best friend. Like that's, that's what we did. Amen. Right. And it's just easy. Um, Not every day is easy, but for the majority it's easy. So that's just what we do. We're just together. And that we learned early that taking the time for that retreat was important because we don't do regular date nights. We don't do regular vacations, you know, anything like that, especially those early years of marriage, you have no money. And it was our first retreat. Someone else actually paid for us to go to be a blessing. And we in Georgia. So I think that was the first time I was in a different state than my son. And it was tough. That one was actually like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I was like, I don't know about this. You know, my husband was like, he's fine. We're going. And he loved it. Had fun with grandma. So, and she still helps and watches them. And she knows into February, couples retreats come and we're going. That's good. And as a side note, I, I love the Smoky Mountains. I've yes. been there. It's a great, <laughs> great area. I also like the fact that you emphasize, and this may be more for people who may be financially strapped where they just can't go on retreats, etc. cetera. Uh, you may mention that if you're going to the grocery store, husband can, can tag along. That, that, you know, just simple, practical things that couples can do that it, it doesn't even have to be a date. You're just spending time together. And that's uh, so important. So uh, I appreciate those points that you bring out on social media as, as, as well as in your book about that as well. You have to learn to make it work because if you don't, it won't. And we go out of our way for our kids. You know, we're going to pick up their snack at the store you know, when they called and we're going to have, you know, the chocolate milk in the fridge when they get home from school and, you know, the goldfish is in the cabinet, whatever it is, you know, but when your husband says, Hey, I want some turtle tracks ice cream. And you're like, nah, Oh, I forgot. And he's like, really? I, you were there. And I asked for one thing, you know, the kids got seven and I asked for one and you couldn't do it. And that, you know, it's easy to laugh and it's easy to say, what's well, one thing, you know, it's easy to say it's just ice cream, but to him that says, you're not listening to me you're not willing to meet basic requests. And then he starts to compare and he's like, you know, I do all of this for you, especially as a stay at home mom. You know, he's like, I let you stay home and I make the money and I, you know, take care of all the things and I do all the stressing, but you can't bring me home ice cream with the paycheck that I made. And I gave you to go to the store with, And you know, it's easy to say, well, let's not blow the ice cream out of proportion. But, and I talk about this in the book, it's not just ice cream, you know, it's not just intimacy. It's not just time together there really are no little things when all those little things are what's holding us together. I have not read the book. I'm going to be honest, but I am on the um, next up reading list. I can't, I can't wait to crack into that one as a couple. I'm assuming that's how it's intended. There's probably a forward that says, read this as a couple. Have. And I've also had men message me and say, you know, Hey, you know, I read this and I really tried to stay on the right side of the line of not speaking in authority to the men that might read it. So it is written to a wife from a wife's point of view, but I tried to keep it neutral um, in case you did read it together or it's the men that have a difficult wife and he's trying to figure out, you know, what is her responsibility? What is mine? And I want to, I wanted to give that because, you know, it's easy to say only what the wife should do, but she needs to know what to expect from her husband. And, you know, it's easy to say you need to be loving and you need to do all these things. But when I say, you know, wives submit to your husband, that's not just saying to do whatever he wants. That's also letting you know that he has that God given responsibility 
to be the leader, you know, so that it's not just trying to give commands. It's, well, we have to look at both sides of this. And if that's your responsibility, then he has one in the opposite direction. I believe that's very in, important. And, you know, the, in the God's word, um, you know, the, the Lord is the, the head of the, the, the man as the man is the, the head of the, the wife and the, and the household. However, if the man is not submitting to the Lord, then what reason would uh, a wife want to have a tendency to want to submit to uh, an un ungodly husband or, or, or disobedient uh, a husband who's being disobedient to the Lord? And so it, it definitely works uh, hand in hand. And, you know, once again, not to really belabor this, but I've seen so many examples, especially on social media, such as YouTube, where you have this uh, manosphere, if I can call it, where you have men who are seeking answers, but they're not seeking godly wisdom. They're, they're seeking answers from uh, other men in terms of, you know, this is how you handle this woman or, or this is how you do this. Totally un un ungodly. But once again, um, our Lord gives us the, the answers to all of these. But uh, unfortunately, many people uh, overlook God's word and, and try to find other uh, answers that suits their lifestyle. That golf course philosophy. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's mm -hmm. sad. And, you know, it's but that's what Satan does. Satan has a counterfeit for everything that God has given. And that's no secret. Uh, but we, you know, if the word is the only weapon that God has given us, then you have to know how to use it. And if you don't know how to use it, you don't know what is in there, then, you know, you're defenseless. And I like to use, we shoot, we shoot together. Um, that's one of our hobbies and stuff. And so I, God gave me that analogy one day in Sunday school, our, our Sunday school teacher was teaching on through um, the, the armor of God. And he got to the sword of the spirit and how it's the word of God. And, you know, you have to know what's in there to know how to use it. And the Bible says, and I think it's in Psalm 119 that, you know, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might, might not sin against thee. If you don't know God's word, it's not in your heart and you right. are, and you're not recognizing, you know, the temptations and snares of the devil. And God told us, you know, in John 10, 10, why he came. He told us in first Peter five, um, five, eight, that Satan has a plan and his plan is to devour. But if you don't read God's word, you don't know that. And so it feels like it's just life, but it's not. Some of these are attacks. And so when he was teaching through that, and he was referring to it as the weapon, and you have to know it. The Lord gave me an example that I would understand. And he said, you know, it's no different than the firearm that you carry every day. You have to know how to use it. If you don't know how to use it, a few things are going to happen. And I'm not really sure where my Sunday school teacher cut out in my attention span and the Lord, you know, carried on with this thought. But some things that I wrote down in my notes were that, you know, he said, if you don't use it, you're not proficient with it. So what happens when you need it? You're too uncomfortable with it to pick it up and use it. You're not accurate with it. So you're going to use it and miss the mark. And when you use it and miss the mark, there's collateral damage. Other people get hurt. And we see that all the time of people using twisting scripture and using God's word. Yes, and it's, yes. it's not accurate and people get hurt. 
And so the Lord just, you know, it is a weapon, but you have to be proficient with it. And if you're not proficient with it, then it's, it's not useful and you're not protected. You know, you might as well leave it at home. You're going to have the same amount of protection that way. And that's, that's what God's word is for. I was, I was at a wedding a couple years ago and the pastor that was uh, officiating the wedding, he, he quoted wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And he paused. I thought he stopped, but he paused dramatically to test the couple getting married and, and the audience. Cause my wife and I are sitting there going, and, 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 and then it finally you, you saw the bride, like, are you kidding? And then, and then he continued. And it was so funny because like you were saying, you have to have the entire context to that. It's it's all of When we got married um, almost 15 years ago, it was a real quick courthouse wedding that um, I did not even know was going to happen until about 24 hours before. And it, um, so that was fun. And there was lots of issues involved with that, but we got married and we were safe. We had to drive a distance and, and everything was fine. Um, and so we'd always said, you know, we're going to have a wedding one day. We're going to renew our vows. And so when we, our original goal was five years. Well, at five years, you know, nobody still has any money. We had just moved to Colorado. We were trying to get settled. And so 10 years, 10 years is, is good. And we did, we renewed our vows. And I actually sat down, um, my husband and I sat down with a man in our church that I was working for at the time. And he's in his eighties now. And he'd been a pastor. He had, you know, done all the things and he's a missionary, writes Bible lessons, just a great man of God. We have a lot of respect for. And so I asked him because our church at the time, we'd come back to Tennessee and our church was um, without a pastor for a while from all the things before that we had mentioned. So we had an interim pastor for a while. And then the pastor we have now came, but we hadn't joined yet because we need to figure out this guy and if we want to be under his leadership. So we had asked Brother Long to officiate. And he said, I'll check with the pastor, pastoral authority, make sure he's okay with it. And then we'll do it. And we were like, okay, no big deal. And Pastor Gamble said, yeah, of course, you know, you have a relationship with them. You know them, no problems. So we did. And so we, we wrote our vows this time and we all sat together at the table working through that. And because we're already married, we've already made this commitment. We already have the covenant with the Lord, but we just want to remember some of those things. So we rewrote our vows and part of it that we put in there was that part of my commitment to him was to obey his authority. And, you know, that's not always easy to say, you know, it sounds good on paper, but to say that in front of some friends and family and some of those family members were not in church. And so, you know, they're like, what are they talking about? You know, you know, that was, we wanted to incorporate that Ephesians five in there because, you know, that's God's plan and that's what works. And so we use that to verbally say what we believe the Bible said and to reiterate that um, covenant that we had agreed to originally. Amen. And this is something I've said to a lot of people who are thinking about getting married or think that they are in the wrong season of life, like they can't wait to get to the next one. And something that has proven itself true over and over again to me and will until I go home to heaven, I'm sure, is that God has a design and a proper order for everything. And that design and that order, that specific order 
is in place for our protection and for our good. And when we intentionally on purpose go outside that order, it's not that every time you follow God's order that nothing bad will ever happen. It's just that when you on purpose step outside of God's intentional order and purposeful design, you are going to run into problems. You will. That's not a question. It will happen. And again, I'll reiterate it's That's not to say that when you do follow God's design, that there's never any problems. That's not true either, but there's a reason for God's design and God's order. And it's always for our good. Always, always, always. And so Ms. Heather, I do have a question for you for someone Considering marriage, desiring to get married, I think you would agree that it is so important to choose the right spouse. And so what advice would you give someone for choosing the right spouse? Um, Pray, be patient, Mm -hmm. Uh, don't compromise. If you are dating someone that you feel like is just the most perfect person in the world, but you can't have hard conversations you can't agree on simple things. So I actually saw a Dave Ramsey post about this yesterday, talking about some of the top reasons people get divorced and it's religion, money, and parenting. If you can't agree on those things, this isn't going to work. You know, if you're dating someone who's, you know, a Catholic and you are a Baptist and you think, well, it's not that big of a deal. We're pretty close to the same. You're not. And someone is going to have to give up the to go with the other person right that should be the wife because your husband's the authority of the home and are you willing to do that and follow his lead no because what he's doing isn't biblical then this is not going to work god has given some very clear guidelines in scripture unequally yoked not okay and and we often think that's just saved and unsaved and it's not there's lots of saved catholics there's lots of saved methodists but bible stuff Um, So that's not going to line up because you can't say you're using the Bible to parent and for finances. And I say, well, I am too. We're not going to get to the same place because we're not using the same Bible. And it's just, it's your parallel. You're never going to intersect. It's parallel and it's going to be a catastrophe. Sometimes you just get married and you don't think about those things until after, until they come up and you have that first child and you're like, whoa, didn't know that. And that's okay. Who you married is now God's will for you. And he will make it work. You cannot have the mindset of I married wrong. I made a mistake. You might've made a mistake, but now it's just time to put the pieces back together and you're the Lord. And like what you just said, you know, there's a reason he gave us Isaiah 55. Um, I think it's seven, eight, nine of my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways because he knew it doesn't make sense to us. He used foolish things to confound the wise. And it doesn't make sense to us. God does not owe us an explanation when we ask why. And, you, and that's faith. And you have to be okay with that. And there's a reason he's given us those boundaries is because there's safety in boundaries. There's freedom in boundaries. Mm-hmm. Scripture likes us to sheep. And sheep are clumsy. Sheep are very, very unintelligent. That gives you a really good picture of what we look like. When we step outside of those boundaries, we step outside of that fence that the shepherd has put us in. We get into grass. That's not good. We get into the weeds, not the grass. We get into a field of no water. 
we get into the thorns and thistles. We get on our back and we can't get up. You know, it doesn't take sheep very long at all to get stuck on their back and they can't get up. We don't see the valley between the hills. We just see from one hilltop to the next because our vision is very, very limited. But the shepherd sees that valley. He sees that there's no water over there. He sees the tree line over there that we think is just trees, but he sees the wolf inside of that tree line waiting to attack. And he said, if you will stay over here next to me in this fence where I can protect you, you have grass and you have water. And I am here to bind up the broken wounds and I'm here to protect you from the wolves. But when we say, Lord, that doesn't make sense. Wives, submit yourself into your husband. My husband's an idiot. That doesn't make sense. So I'm going to do what I want to because some days he is and we love him anyway. But some days so are you. And when you're being difficult as a wife and you want to pull the emotional card and you want to pull the time of the month card and you want to pull all the things and you expect him to just say, oh, okay, then you have to do that too when he's not making the best choices. Because if you're allowed to have a bad day, he's allowed to have a bad day. But just like when you're having a bad day, you expect him to love you anyway. You want to be as hateful as you can and let your emotions go unchecked and say crazy things. And you don't want him to call you out on it. You don't want him to say that he doesn't love you. You still expect him to be unchanging. Why are we not giving them the same grace? And for the couples that say, I just don't know if I love him anymore. Are you saved? Does Christ love you? Then his love is in you and you can love your husband. Amen. That's another mic drop. And you can't stay a spiritual toddler and have a healthy marriage. You can't do that. And you have to be willing, I think anyway, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to be willing to be each other's 100%. Because sometimes when they come home, they've given all they've got. And maybe they have 10% left for you. Yep. Because they've given everything. And they need you to show up and be 90 Yep. And there's going to be days where you've got 10% and they have to be 90 and you've got to have the grace for your spouse that you expect from your spouse, which is a little spicy. People don't really want to do that, but. Amen. That's very profound and and true though. Yes. And marriage is to make us holy. Mm -hmm. So that means that there's going to be those sharp edges are getting knocked off and it's, the grace of God. And I remember we were having a conversation um, about some different things. And I remember I wanted to be upset. I wanted to be hurt. I wanted to be frustrated. I wanted to say, you know, can you not see the problem with this? And I remember my husband was standing up in front of me in the living room talking and explaining his side of things. And I was sitting on the couch listening, trying to uh, stay quiet and listen and stay respectful and to remember this is one thing. This does not change who you are. It does not change that you love me. It does not change that I love you. You know, it's all these things. And the Lord just so very clearly said, Romans 5, 8, he said, how I have loved you in your sin. That's how you're going to love your husband. And in that moment, I had just so much compassion for him. And the Lord made that verse real to me. And he said, this is how I love you. 
it doesn't matter that, you know, we're talking about this for the third time this week because you're not listening. That is how I love you. How you feel about your husband right now. That's how I love you. And I was struggling with that in my own personal walk of trying not to get stuck in that, you know, works-based approval of God. I never doubted my salvation, but I was struggling spiritually in, you know, am I doing enough? Am I right with the Lord? You know, all the things. And God said, this is it. It's just my love for you. Backtracking just a second. I actually saw the save Ramsey post, the same Ramsey post. And I pulled it up because I was like, oh, there was one more thing that they said. And I couldn't remember what it was. And then, of course, I see that we actually both liked it. <laughs> but um, it was shared household faith, parenting, money, and boundaries with in-laws. That and you just talked about boundaries extensively because absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we've moved just under two years ago. Uh, we still have the same church, church family, et cetera. But before we moved, we were a block and a half away from my parents. And they had a key to our house. And there were no boundaries Ooh. where they would come in at 10 o'clock at night. It's like an everybody loves Raymond situation. It is exactly what it was. Yes. Mm, that's not yeah. okay. Uh-uh. And what are you going to tell old people? You know? No. That's what you tell them. <laughs> well, you do. But they don't. They don't <laughs> listen. Um, there were other things that ended up happening, but we ended up relocating. And it gave us more significant time that we spent with them when we did, because it meant more. It wasn't just seeing them every day, just because that's what parents want. And we got our boundaries back. It was amazing. But yeah, those, those, we need to build up that fence and stay safe within our, within our, absolutely. Miss Heather, I'm going to ask on behalf of the cast, I guess, for a cast, would you come back for another episode? Because- absolutely. We could keep talking for like three more hours, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. As a, a way to sort of begin landing the plane is what we call it. Could you tell us about the platforms where our listeners can find you? If you're on Instagram, then Proverbs underscore 31 life is that page. You can just hit that follow button and you're going to see all the things we use. I utilize that for different things from just question and answer, just sharing scripture. All the scripture is King James. That is just where we stand. So that is what it is promoted there. Um, Amen. That's, that's what the bookies is. Um, and that was part of my desire was you just don't find that anymore. So that's there within that you will find links to the blog. Um, and that is going to be the same title. Um, Proverbs 31 Life. It's on WordPress. And the YouTube channel is also Proverbs underscore 31 Life. And you can just subscribe to that. Um, turn the notifications on. You will get notified when a new video is posted. I post videos on Monday and Thursday. And then on most Fridays, we do a homeschool post that is reserved just for different things, looking at curriculum or our setup or routine, anything like that. And then that will give you... Pretty much all those places, you will be able to find links to the books and journal shop. Everything is available on Amazon. If you just type in my name, it all comes up and you can just go from there. All right. And we will be sure to make sure and link all of those things in the description of this episode. Is there any other big major points? If a listener was listening to just this section, what was something you would want them to hear? Trust the Lord. 
it's easy to say. We say that all the time. You know, most people know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, as well as they know John 3, 16. And it becomes cliche in Christian circles, but it's obedience is the key. And that branches into everything, you know, obeying in prayer and in praise and in fasting and in fellowship and church attendance and, you know, all the things, but God's word and his way work. He did not give us 66 books of the Bible because he had some requirement for 66 books and just needed to take up space and time. That's not what God does. So learn it, use it, trust it, pray God's word back to him, ask him questions. You know, it's okay to ask God why or how, but it's not okay to demand an answer. And sometimes you just have to do the next thing. And the next thing is whatever he said, um, his word, it's not just words on a page. It is, I mean, it's really letters from home. And that's what he wants that to be for us. Amen. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And we look very much forward to having you back again. And I'm sure that we're going to get some questions in. But if you have questions for Miss Heather, uh, could they message you on Instagram directly? Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Brother Jacob, would you like to take us out in prayer? I would be honored. Would be my honor. It was very nice to meet you and discuss with you and learn from you today. Thank you. Uh, it's it's been an honor and a pleasure, and uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. So thank you very much. I look forward to part two. Yeah. Or you more, may not be able three. to shake us off now. So uh-huh. <laughs> just a warning. Yeah, that's okay. We're like that dirty stock. We keep coming back. I don't understand. All right. Well, let's pray on that. <laughs> Father Lord, we're so grateful um, for our friend and uh, what she stands for. And how she stands for you, Lord, and just the devotion that she gives to her family and to her relationship and, Lord, uh, to you as well. Uh, let us let us take from your word, emulate it, Lord, and apply it to our lives, uh, grow closer in our own marriages, our own families, Lord. But, of course, and most importantly, grow closer to you. Uh, be with us as we dismiss this this podcast, Lord. Be with all of our listeners. Lord, if somebody uh, has questions about our guest or ourselves or or you, Lord, uh, let them fear not and just have the courage to reach out to us and ask us. And uh, we can direct them on how to grow closer to you, Lord, or how to get to know you if they don't know you. We love you for everything that you do, everything that you are, and for our salvation. It's your name we pray. Amen, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to today's edition of KJ&E. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at hurt at kjandthee.com or jacob at kjandthee.com. A special thank you to the Abbott family and Reach Ministries for their music used in this podcast. We hope you have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time.